Welcome to another edition of the Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. And guys, we're almost there. It's been a long, long wait for baseball. And it's been uh, obviously a very, very crazy offseason that is extended until this point. But we're finally at the doorstep of games being played. We've been keeping track of prospects who may make opening day rosters. We have a story up on the site that breaks down each team's top prospects and whether they are locks to make the team, contenders to make the team, long shots to make the team. And actually, just before we were coming on the air here, I think a bit of a surprise. I don't know that people necessarily saw this coming, although maybe it makes sense. The Dodgers sending down Gavin Lux, the number two overall prospect in baseball. Yeah, it was. It, it's been interesting. Uh, you know, he has an officially unexplained, like late arrival in camp. Uh, you know, a lot of speculation that's coronavirus related. Nobody knows, but he was he was late arriving to camp. And corner correspondent Ken Gurnick during his brief time in camp did not look like his usual self in terms of hitting ability and a little shaky defensively, which has been the case at times in the past. In some ways, this is almost beneficial to the Dodgers. I mean, I, I hate dwelling on, on service time, and I haven't done the exact calculation. He was a September call-up. But, you know, if, let's say they keep Gavin Lux down for for two or three weeks. That might be enough to, you know, leave him short of a full year of service time at the end of this year. But, you know, you could still have him up for the second half of the season or, or two-thirds of the season and be ready to go for the playoffs. I mean, I think the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs regardless of whether Gavin Lux opens the season on the roster or not. I mean, they've got Chris Taylor who can play second. They've got Kike Hernandez who can play second. Max Muncy's played some second. So they have a number of options. They have more hitters than they can fit into one lineup, even with the DH. So, I mean, this kind of stinks for Gavin Lux, but in the long run, it may benefit the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, because they have options, I think, at the big league level and Jim's right. It's not Gavin Lux wasn't going to be the, uh, the thing that helped the Dodgers compete. I, I think he could contribute without question. I think he will at some point because he was there late and a little bit behind and things of that nature. Then maybe this makes the most sense. I, I mean, at some point in time, they will, they will find room for him. I think you know, to answer your initial question or, or your initial point, Jason. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a surprise because most people, if not all, had Gavin Lux as the favorite to be the National League Rookie of the Year this year based on what he did when he came up last year. And I think everyone just assumed that he would be in, you know, in the starting lineup on opening day. And I think had this been a normal season and there had been a normal spring training, he probably would have been in their opening day lineup. This has been anything but normal. So uh, I guess, yes, it's surprising, but nothing should really be all that shocking these days. So you think this will be short enough term that he is still considered the favorite for National League Rookie of the Year, or would that would that change things for you? I think it would change it for me because if I'm the Dodgers and I'm going to send him down, then I'm probably going to keep him down long enough to, you know, screw him out of a full year of service time, to be honest. I mean, if I'm, if I'm determining he's not ready, going to alternate camp, it's not like he's going to AAA and he's going to hit 420 and I'm going to go, wow, he's tearing the cover off the ball. He's going to go to alternate camp. It's going to be subjective. Why not keep him there for three weeks and, and steal a year of service time from him? 
I will officially switch my pick as of right now to Carter Keyboom in the National League. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting this year in terms of, you know, prospects getting called up. And I know you guys are going to be working on a story in the next couple of days looking at guys who don't make opening day rosters, but you expect to make an impact at some point during the season. I think it's going to be interesting because whereas normally guys can kind of play their way into an opportunity and, you know, earn it by the performance in the minors this year, there's not going to be that element. And it's largely going to be determined strictly by the opportunity and sometimes by, you know, a lack of performance at the big league level. Another uh, prospect that we've been keeping an eye on and it sounds like is in line to make the opening day roster. And uh, I think this is, would also fall under the category of something of a surprise is Brady Singer with the Royals. I think it's not a surprise to hear that the big league staff likes his stuff and his competitiveness. I mean, you know, his competitive streak is one of his best traits, not to mention the ridiculous slider. And I think, you know, someone had said even like last year that he could have come up and gotten some big league hitters out just pitching off of his breaking ball. Yeah, I I believe it. You know, this is a guy who they thought could move relatively quickly. I would have pegged him more for, again, under normal circumstances to have him maybe go back down to double A, pitch a little in double A, a little in triple A, and then be up sometime in the second half of the season. But, you know, he made a very good impression in big league camp in, you know, the early, early stages. And I happened to, you know, before the shutdown was in Royals camp and talked to people about how much he stood out and just, you know, he carries himself like he he belonged and his stuff certainly played well. And then he's thrown well in camp. And when you combine that with the fact that Brad Keller is probably not ready to answer the opening day bell, there creates the potential opportunity for him to make the roster. Now, you know, and going back to the conversation about service time, I don't know how much sense that makes for the Royals you know, unless they feel that they're ready to make a nice jump forward. And in this truncated season, they think a contribution from a reliable starting pitcher like Brady Singer could help them compete in the AL Central, then maybe they don't, they don't hesitate to, to, to do that. But that's, that's probably the, the most surprising part of it, that, that they're actually entertaining doing that. Well, you know, kudos to them for doing that, although it's easy enough. You can always send Brady Singer out for a week in August and boom, he doesn't get a full year of service time. I think it's six days off the active roster, and, and guys who have no experience will not get a full year. You know, Jacob Junis is also on the 10-day IL, so they're really short of starters. And remember, too, you know, Singer, I believe, had not been optioned out when spring training got shut down in mid-March. I'm not saying he would have made the team, but he was he was pitching well enough then that he was still on the roster. It wasn't like they had already optioned him out, and now they're bringing him back. So... I'm curious to see him. Yeah, as you mentioned, Jonathan, I think that competitive streak will serve him well. But I also think from a, a team standpoint, you could probably find a reason to send him out for a week at some point, if need be, and, and, and get that year's service time back. So a little a little clarity with uh, those two players and, and Lux and Singer. How about uh, some of the other top prospects who were contending for positions? Uh, last week we talked a little bit about Nate Pearson, Joe Adele, Clark Schmidt of the Yankees, Nick Madrigal, Jesus Lazardo, Dylan Carlson. We're a week closer to the beginning of the season. Uh, is there 
any of the, any of those particular players that their situations have crystallized a bit? I think Clark Schmidt has a pretty good chance to make the Yankees. Again, I mean, as we're recording this, nothing's definite, but Tanaka just went on the IL. Um, you know, Schmidt has, Schmidt looked very good in spring training. He, he's looked very good um, in summer camp. He looked very good in the final month of the season last year. We're seeing why he was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. I, I think he's got a good chance to make the team. And, and I wonder, too, like if he opens the season in the rotation and continues to look as good as he has – Going back to last August, they may not get him out of there. But I, I think as of right now, he would be the logical fifth starter for the Yankees. Obviously, the Yankees are a team that don't have to worry about, nor should they really worry about, service time issues and the expenditure there. Like if if Clark Schmidt sticks and he pitches well and it helps them win, that's what they're going to care about. And if that means that they have to pay him down the road, they have the financial wherewithal to do that. There are certain teams like the Yankees or like the Dodgers who have a little more wiggle room in terms of just saying, you know what, we're breaking camp with this guy because he's going to help us win and we can we, we can afford to not really have to take something like service time into consideration. You know, and a team that's not in that boat, that's going to be interesting. You mentioned Nick Madrigal, Jason. To me, I mean, the White Sox are clearly trying to win when you look at everything they did during the offseason. Nick Madrigal should be your second baseman. He's a better player than Larry Garcia right now. Larry Garcia is better as utility guy. Madrigal's look good in summer camp. Mankata was out for a little while. Garcia's been banged up a little bit. You know, Madrigal's gotten a chance to, to, to get even more at-bats than he might normally have. Uh, I'll be very curious to see what the White Sox do, because if they don't have Nick Madrigal on their opening day roster, then I think they're just trying to be a little bit cute about it. And I think we'll see him in a week after he's had a year of service time stolen from him. But, but to me, he clearly should be the White Sox second baseman right now. That, that's the one that's most interesting to me, where you have a team that's a definite contender and a guy who's definitely their best option at the position. This isn't the Dodgers who have three or four other options at second base. you, you got to play Nick Madrigal. Madrigal, obviously an interesting situation there. And, and the White Sox in general, really interesting from a prospect perspective. Their next Sox movement is reaching the big league level now. And you have to start at the top, obviously, with Lewis Robert, who has lived up to the immense hype uh, so far in this abbreviated summer camp, turning a lot of heads. He's the prohibitive favorite going into the season for the American League Rookie of the Year. Beyond those two, we also have listed as contenders in our breakdown on the side of Dane Dunning, Zach Collins, Ian Hamilton, Danny Mendick, and Yerman Mercedes. Collins and Mercedes, I guess in a, an interesting situation there as they have two 2019 All-Stars ahead of them on the depth chart and Yasmani Grandal and James McCann. Danny Mendick seems like he could have a, a shot to make the rosters. He plays all over the place and could potentially earn a utility job. Among these guys, do you see some of them making a large contribution or a, a significant contribution this year, Jim? I wouldn't say large. I think they're more complementary players. You know, Collins and Mercedes are kind of competing for the same role, which is third catcher. Maybe you play a little first base, DH, you know, offensive-minded guy. Neither of those guys is much of a defender. You know, Mendick, I, I think Mendick's got a pretty good chance 
to, to make the team as a utility guy, but I don't think he'd be a, a regular for them necessarily. You know, Dunning is coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's a former top 100 prospect. He's more of, I think, in that long relief role to start the year um, as opposed to being a starter. So, I think, you know, Hamilton's a guy who has had his moments in the bullpen, had a lot go wrong last year. He was in a car accident that hurt his shoulder. He had a line drive, break his jaw, but he's got a power arm. I, I think these the, the, all those contenders are more kind of complementary pieces um, but, you know, you could see two or three of them make the club in addition to Robert and Madrigal. A couple of players that we were keeping an eye on and, uh, you know, one of them was expected to make the big league roster out of summer camp. The other, we're just strictly keeping an eye on him because he's one of the most exciting players in in the minor leagues. And talking about A.J. Puck and Julio Rodriguez, a couple of guys that we're not going to see for a while due to injuries, Julio Rodriguez, hairline fracture in his wrist. Guys, he, he wasn't going to make the roster anyway. Would you say that if you had to choose a time to be injured, considering that's somewhat of a wash anyway, if you're not going to make the, the team's roster, would you say that this is as good a time to, to miss time as any? Guess if you're going to pick a time in any regular season to get hurt, Sure. The downside is that, you know, he would have been in their alternate camp. He would have been able to continue working out and having intra-squad scrimmages and and getting at least some semblance of reps that he would have gotten. And as young as he is, he's not that far away from being ready to contribute. Now, I think it would have been a huge long shot, even if he were 100% healthy, for him to you know, get called up in September, although I guess you never know. But I think that he could have put himself in position to be there early next year. That could still happen. It hurts him developmentally only because, you know, he got hurt last year too and missed some time. More than made up for it, but that's that's the only, like, sort of downside. But, yeah, I guess if you're going to pick a time, this 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 would be it. And it's just a hairline thing. It's not hamper him long term. You know, once uh, it'll take him a while to get his strength and power back, but he'll be just fine long term. It could put him a little behind. I mean, who knows what the offseason is going to look like with Arizona Fall League or Winter Ball. You know, as Jonathan was saying, you know, he would have the opportunity to be in their developmental camp and, and gotten some exposure there. You know, this will put him further behind if we do have offseason development opportunities. But in the long term, it really shouldn't make much of a difference. Now, how about uh, A.J. Puck? He was uh, shut down earlier in the spring with a shoulder problem and now down again with the shoulder strain. Is this a, something of concern to you guys? It is somewhat to me. I mean, we're talking about a guy who came back from Tommy John surgery. Um, so, I mean, he already has been through injuries before. It's funny. It seems like we've been talking about him forever. I mean, he was a, a prospect out of high school who wound up you know, going to college of Florida. But, I mean, A.G. Puck at this point is – 25 you know he's not super young this was going to be the the year he had a chance to make the rotation you know when there was a thought he might have made the rotation a couple of years ago and now that's getting delayed yet again I mean I'm not I'm not concerned in terms of oh I think his career is in jeopardy but it is a little disconcerting that the last two times 2018 and now that he was being counted on to to maybe crack that rotation he hasn't been able to answer the bell physically. So, so yeah, that is a concern. I, I think, you know, add in the fact that there was a, always a little 
reliever risk with him because uh, more because of command than anything else. You stick with him as a starter just because he mean shown the ability to maintain his stuff deep in the starts, but the command had kept him from really being able to you know go seven innings. Although I don't know who goes seven innings anymore, but you know I don't know at a certain point even if you do get him back now, maybe you think maybe we need to put him in the bullpen just so we can get value. I, I think it hurts the A's. Uh, because they already have uh, Jesus Lazardo, who's a little bit behind because he tested positive for, for COVID and it was late. Uh, I, I don't think it'll take him that long to get up to speed. You know, he, he was working out and things, things of that nature. So I think he just needs to, you know, get some reps on the mound and face some hitters and things like that. And he should be ready to go. But, you know, I think they were hoping that they would get contributions from both or their, you know, really good lefty pitching prospects this year. And they still will from Lazardo. And now we'll have to wait and see with Puck. And, you know, when Lazardo was behind, it seemed almost certain that Puck was going to land in that rotation, at least until Lazardo was ready. Uh, and now, of course, they're, they're one more in the hole. All right. So we, we also want to talk about some prospects who are, have been impressing in summer camp, but, before we go on to that next topic, here's a word from our sponsor. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. All right, guys. So we talked about Lewis Robert, and he has uh, high expectations as, as anyone, any prospect entering the season. He has turned heads in camp. He's uh, had some highlight reel performances during summer camp, hit a home run while somehow hit a home run while falling down on his face. He's, I think, at the top of everyone's list in terms of prospects who've impressed in camp this summer. Uh, some other guys recently who have impressed Joey Bart, Giants catcher, and obviously he is in an interesting situation with Buster Posey having opted not to play this year and with the Giants without a, a real legitimate option behind him. Dustin May, who looks like he's going to get a good opportunity with the Dodgers in one role or another. Alex Kirloff and Brent Rooker each went deep in a game for the Twins a couple days ago. And then Zach Hess, Tigers' seventh-round pick last year out of LSU, he was just added to the team's 60-man player pool, and then in his first outing, 
was very impressive, clean one, two, three inning, uh, in which he retired this year's number one overall pick, Spencer Torkelson on a ground out, and then uh, proceeded to rack up a couple strikeouts, one on a slider and one on a 97 mile an hour fastball. Guys, anyone in, in particular of that bunch of players that has stood out to you or that stands out to you because of the, the situation that, that he's in entering this season? Well, I'll start by talking about Zach Hess. I mean, what we saw, I mean, granted, it was just one inning. But, you know, Zach Hess, you know, was a little bit miscast during his college career at LSU. As a freshman, he was just a lights-out closer. I mean, he was electric. I saw him in Omaha at the College World Series where they finished runner-up to Florida. He was in the upper 90s. He had a wipeout slider in the mid-80s. He was pretty untouchable. And then, you know, because he had such a good arm, LSU tried to make him a starter the next couple of years. And he wasn't nearly the same guy, you know, and he wound up sliding to the seventh round of last year's draft. And I think that could wind up being a steal for the Tigers. You know, they've got him back in the relief role. If you watch him pitch, it's not the cleanest delivery. He's amped up, you know, reliever mentality. And I think this is a guy who can move very, very quickly you know, now that he's back in that relief role, to which I think he's much better suited. I think there, there are a lot of interesting guys there. Joey Bart is interesting in that, you know, he's got a chance now with Buster Posey out, and then it's going to lead to a question of, well, what happens next year? Now, this was something the Giants knew it was going to happen. Joey Bart was going to get to the big leagues, and they're going to have to make that decision in, in 2021 now with Bart getting a chance to show what he can do now. So he's the sort of top guy that, stands out to me. Um, you know, personally, I always love to see Alex Karoloff do well, Pittsburgh guy. I've uh, known him since he was in high school. And he's had to deal with, you know, injuries and missing, you know, large amounts of time, but it's always hit when he's been fully healthy. And I could see him hitting his way into contributing to that big league team. I'm not exactly sure where. And Brent Rooker, you mentioned also having homered, hasn't shown as much progress with the bat that I think people would have hoped. Uh, the power is legit. It's just I'm not sure he's very limited defensively. So in some ways, Kirilov is a better version of Rooker because he plays an outfield corner. He can play first base. He's not a super athlete, but he's more athletic than Rooker. So if Kirilov continues to say swing the bat well in the secondary camp and there's a need for that kind of bat, he may have passed Brent Rooker by. Yeah, another guy who, who I'd say to definitely keep an eye on is Dustin May. I, I don't think he's going to open the season in their rotation looks like Alex Wood and Ross Stripling will be their, their four and five starters. But Mays looked very good in summer camp. And, I mean, he, he's got stuff that not many pitchers have. I mean, he's got one of the hardest two-seam fastballs you'll see. It's 94-98 with, with heavy, heavy sink. He's got a low 90s cutter. He's got a hard curveball. He's got decent changeup. Throws a ton of strikes. I, I don't think he's going to begin the season in the rotation, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if by the end of the year and going into the playoffs, he's one of their their main starters and, and plays a key role for them as they try to finally win that World Series that's eluded them for so long. Yeah, Jonathan, uh, you talked a little bit about uh, Kirilov and Rooker. There are a few arms in Twins camp right now that I don't think are expected to uh, the team's opening day roster, but could potentially be some guys to keep an eye on in the not so distant future, a trio of guys. And there's a, an article on the uh, twins website right now by Do Young Park talking about these three pitchers, but Johan Duran, Dakota Chalmers and Jorge Alcala. Yeah. And Alcala was up last year, although like really, really briefly and has experience pitching out of a bullpen, although he's done both things. I think 
you know, they added him to the 40 men and brought him up because they felt they needed him. And it, his stuff looks really, really good out of the bullpen. Chalmers and especially Duran have both started uh, in the past. They, all three could be continued to be developed as starters in, in the alternate camp because it's easier to shorten them up. I, I think Alcala and, and Chalmers probably end up in the bullpen when all said and done anyway. Uh, Chalmers' curveball is ridiculous. If you saw him in, in the fall league, the spin rate's really high. He was very impressive this summer. It's legitimate stuff. He just doesn't always know where it's going. But Duran is the one who's the most interesting to me. I mean, he's obviously ranked a lot higher in the top 30. He's not far off for me for being like a top 100 caliber pitcher. I think he has a very good chance to start when all is said and done. But he also, you know, hasn't pitched as much at the upper levels. I mean, Chalmers hasn't either, but he's a little bit older. You know, if they can get something out of Chalmers now out of the bullpen, I think that makes more sense. And I would continue to let Duran develop as a starter. And just talking about him allows me to use the word splinker. He's got a, a sinker splitter pitch, which is just absolutely nasty. And that kind of separates him a little bit. Let's talk about some guys who are not expected to make the opening day roster, but are likely to make an impact at some point this year. And we talked a little bit earlier about how, you know, these guys are not going to be, they're not going to be able to quote unquote, earn their way onto the roster, onto the big league roster in a traditional sense by their performance in the minor leagues. But there are several guys that I think everyone is expecting to see at some point this year, um, led probably by Nate Pearson. We talked about Nate, I think, on a prior podcast. My last day in spring training, I never made it to Arizona, it was in Dunedin, and I talked to Nate Pearson that day, and he was really the buzz of the camp. I mean, even the big leaguers were, were have been talking about the fact that he might have been the best pitcher they had in camp. And, and from a talent standpoint, he would be one of Toronto's five best starters. But from a contention standpoint, Toronto's not going to contend, so it probably makes some sense to keep him down. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if – if we see Pearson in the big leagues after a week or two, I still think he's going to be the best rookie pitcher in baseball, even if he's not on an opening day roster. Some other guys that uh, that fit the bill in terms of guys who are not expected to make the opening day roster, but should make an impact at some point in 2020. Another big name, well, really a, a couple other big name pitching prospects uh, and Mackenzie Gore and Brendan McKay. And McKay obviously has already logged a good amount of, big league time he's close to losing his rookie eligibility whereas we have not seen gore yet but a couple of the best left-handed pitching prospects in all the baseball there absolutely and uh you know i think there are probably some people who thought you know outside of uh you know Luis robert that mckay was a good rookie of the year candidate I i think he's still gonna you know assuming that he's healthy and can get back you know and get himself stretched back out I think he still has a chance to make contribution to a really good Rays team, but of the of that group of players, I think most people expected to be in that rotation, and he just hasn't been able to get himself ready to to do so. A few bats to keep an eye on down the road as we get into the season. Joey Bart, and we've talked a little bit about that situation already. Pirates third base prospect Key Brian Hayes and Angels outfielder. Joe Adele. Uh, guys, probably none of these three guys make an opening day roster. And I was going to say, you know, the Angels 
you know, are hoping to contend. And I could see if, if, you know, Brian Goodwin turns back into a pumpkin and can't duplicate his, his success last year that he hadn't shown previously that the angels turn to Joe Adele, you know, in need, you know, the other two teams, pirates aren't going to contend, you know, they've got Colin Moran at third, you know, Cabrian Hayes is tested positive for the coronavirus. He's going to be shut down for a little bit. You know, Joey Bart, the, the Giants don't have a catcher, but he's barely played above high class A. Was hurt a couple times last year, so I think we might might take a little bit more time on them, but could see them by the end of the year certainly. There were a lot of people sort of going into this summer camp were kind of hopeful that you know Hayes would come in and just be so impressive that even if he didn't start the year, that it would just be a, a matter of time, and and Colin Moran would go back back up at third and first, and you know uh, or DH now that you know they're going to have a universal DH. Uh, Hayes is obviously a, a superior defender to Moran. He's a superior defender to just about anybody. I think people would like to see him here, but he's got to show that he can, you know, get himself ready first, and then we'll see what happens. Like Jim said, the, the Pirates aren't going to contend, so it isn't really a need to get his clock started. But he was in AAA last year. I think he's just about ready, and I could see there being some pressure. The new management, you know, showing that they're willing to try to be, you know, as competitive as they can be. And I don't think anyone thinks that that doesn't include Cabrian Hayes in the future. All right, let's give a let's give a quick update on the draft signing situation. Um, we've stated over and over that we expect the vast majority, if not every one of the 160 players who were drafted this year to ultimately sign. And Jim, what's the count up to now? Uh, 154 have signed. Um, we're, we're missing six players. Four of them are Marlins, all pitchers, because they drafted all pitchers. Dax Fulton, Zach McCambly, Jake Eater, and Kyle Hurt. I, I think there's a chance all four of those guys get done this week. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted about this last week because I had a lot of people asking, why were there so many Marlins on this list? Well, the Marlins, there were a couple teams that, that, that would try to get players to sign 2021 contracts to have an extra year of control over them in the minor leagues. Most teams came off that pretty quickly, but the Marlins persisted and it delayed things. Um, and I think they finally backed off that way with, I'm not sure if any of these guys are going to sign a 2021 contract, but that's been kind of the hold up there. And then the other two are, are Carter Baumler, who, who's agreed to terms with the Orioles. It just hasn't been finalized. And Jordan Wogu with the Cubs. Again, I haven't heard any, any roadblocks. It, it, it's quite conceivable by the time we do our next podcast that all 160 guys will be signed by that point. And the signing deadline, in case anybody's wondering, is August 1st. But I don't think we're going to go down to the deadline on any of these guys. I, I think it's just procedural stuff. I don't think it's it's negotiating with any of these players. Signing deadline, Jim, ties into uh, the answer to one of your favorite questions, one of all of our favorite questions. When are the lists going to be re-ranked? And the answer to that question is after the signing deadline. Right. I think August 1st is a Saturday. So we're talking about doing it early the following week. Now, we can just tease people and tell them. I mean, we've already determined the top 100 order because the first 39 picks have signed. We're not putting all 39 guys at the top of the draft on the top 100. But the the top 100 is pretty much done right now. The only, I guess, drama, to use the term very loosely, is whether any players will graduate between – the you know start of the season and when the list comes out at the very beginning of August, but we we actually know what the top 100 is going to look like, except for the potential graduates. Do you know Jim off the top of your head, or you, either one of you guys know how many 2020 draftees are on the top 100? You know the funny thing is, as we're going in, we kind of 
were working on the assumption that Mitch Keller of the Pirates and Brendan McKay of the Rays would be the guys who'd be the first because they were just a couple of innings away um, from surpassing the, the the rookie threshold, which has been our our benchmark in terms of eligibility for forever, really. And um, now with McKay likely not starting on opening day, we knew who the replacements would be. We'll just have to wait. It's still assuming that McKay comes up and throws a few innings and, and gets over that 50 inning mark and then he'll, uh, he'll graduate off. But so I guess as of right now, Mitch Keller seems to be the, the one guy who seems almost certain to graduate off very, very quickly, if not before the re-rank. It looks like we've got 12 guys on our current top 100. We have a 13th guy at number 101. So if Mitch Keller graduates, we'll have 13 draftees on the top 100. And then we have a 14th guy kind of waiting in the wings, not too far off the list. So, But it, it looks like it'll probably be 13, assuming that Mitch Keller graduates. Do you have any, any idea how that compares to recent years in terms of the number of new draft picks entering a list? Um, I think it's fairly comparable. It seems like it's usually between 12 and 15, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm looking here. Last year, it was 6, 8, 11, 12. Last year, it was 13. Approximately half the team's first round picks. Or 40%, yeah. Somewhere 40 to 50% of them. Jonathan mentioned uh, rookie uh, qualification status. For those of you that don't know, a player must not have exceeded 130 at-bats or 50 innings pitched in the major leagues or accumulated more than 45 days on the active roster during the, uh, well, during the 25-player limit period, which is slightly dated language now, but uh, those are the, the general qualifications. And it looks like we have about eight guys who, assuming we do get through a 60-game season, There'll be at least eight guys who will graduate who, who look like, the, you know, if we have that full season, then they'll definitely go over those limits. All right. So, guys, we're going to wrap up this week's podcast with an interview that Jonathan did with Red Sox infield prospect Jeter Downs. Jonathan, you want to intro us into that? Yeah, um, it was good to catch up with him. As, you know, as I said at the outset of the interview with him, I uh, talked to him when he was in Dayton, Red's. West League affiliate, and during his first full season, he's since been traded twice. The exciting thing is, is that he uh, he was named to the Red Sox 60-man player pool. Uh, so he's uh, in Rhode Island uh, and working out and trying to keep sharp. As we talked about that and staying sharp during the shutdown, getting out of Florida, playing with his brother, who's also in the Red Sox organization, and uh, lots of other good stuff. All right, so let's hear from Jeter Downs, and we will be back next week for our first in-season podcast of 2020. I am pleased to be welcomed by one of the best prospects in baseball at the Boston Red Sox, Jeter Downs. And, Jeter, I think the last time you and I spoke was in Dayton, Ohio, during your first full season, so it's good to catch up with you again. And that was, that was a while ago. Yeah, a couple lifetimes ago, it probably seems, <laughs> uh, seems like for you. Um, let's, let's start with the sort of – the biggest news for you is that, you know, you were recently added uh, to the, I guess, the, the taxi squad or added to the 60-man player pool, however, however you want to phrase it for the Boston Red Sox. How exciting was that for you to, you know, that the Red Sox, you know, thought enough of you that they wanted you to, at the very least, 
be included in this group that's going to get some some work in and with the possibility opening the door of well if there's a need in in boston maybe uh you know you're now on a group that could help out yeah no first of all i'd like to thank god for this opportunity and it's a huge blessing and it's honestly just an just a blessing just being able to be out here and instead of being at home like you can especially me being from miami right now it's it's kind of tough down there. You can't really do much. You can't really leave. City's kind of shutting down again and stuff with all the cases. So it's it, it's really it's really satisfying just being out here and actually being able to go out to the field work every day. And we we all took it for granted before, and now now look with all this going on. Like it's it's something that you gotta like now you have to when you're here you gotta make the most out of it because at the end of the day we never know again when something like this might happen and everything might shut down again. So it's definitely, it's definitely fun and it, it, it's a great opportunity. So happy being out here. Yeah. That's not even something that I even really considered. You went, you were able to go from a state where, you know, the cases are about as high as, as anywhere to an area of the country that probably has handled this pandemic about as, about as well as anybody. Do you get to, to breathe a little bit of a, not a sigh of relief because you still have to be careful, obviously, but uh, is that like a, I didn't even think about that bonus part of it. Are you, are you happy you know, that you, know, you can now maybe just go and focus more on, on baseball, knowing you're going to an area that has been relatively, I don't, you don't want to say COVID free, but it's been, it, it, it's been handled pretty well in New England overall. No, hundred percent. Um, yeah. Like, difference being out here you see everybody's kind of walking around more freely and like back home everybody's like paranoid like you literally go to the grocery store and everybody's like basically has body suits on like it's, it's pretty crazy down there and so yeah you, you you get out here and you see a difference and and it's two, two different types of atmosphere so far and you at the end of the day you do like feel a little bit more free just being in a in a in a, in a space where you know, numbers-wise, the cases aren't so high, so you can you can breathe more, you can relax, and you're not on edge 24/7, worrying about if you're going to contract the virus or not. All right, let's focus mostly on baseball. I'm glad we got that <laughs> that part out of the way. But you know, take me through. I mean, this has obviously been an unprecedented spring and summer for for everybody. But you know, you, you join the Red Sox organization in the off season. You go to big league camp, you get to show what you can do, you're getting to know the organization, and then everything shuts down. Um, it's hard enough to get to know a new organization over the course of a regular spring training. Like, how much was that abbreviated for you just in terms of comfort level and knowing, like, the other people in your organization? Oh, 100%. Like, when things got shut down again, it was just – I was just starting to get comfortable with, with people and – it, we were there for probably like a month, month and a half or so, a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, it was – you're starting to meet everybody, like get used to them, familiar faces, remember names. Cause Jesus, that's the hardest part, <laughs> remembering all the names and stuff. But, yeah, and then it's shutting down again and you got to restart. Thank God we have a good group of guys. And I have my brother here as well, so he made the transition so much easier than it was before in the past. Going to going when I was traded to the Dodgers and I didn't really know anybody there. So um, yeah, having him here was was a huge huge help because he just knows everybody. So he was able to show me around. 
um, the complex, where I had to go, where I had to be, and things like that. So, you know, what what did you, you know, when things got shut down, I'm assuming, you know, you, you just went home, um, and obviously you were saying you live in, in Florida. So that was what have you been able to do um, between, you know, the sh when things shut down and, and now uh, just to continue to, to work on things, you know, understanding that, it, you know, you were going to be more limited and, and obviously not playing games and things like that. But, you know, how, how, how did you keep your baseball skills sharp during, during the, the downtime? Um, I kept working out. I, I took probably like a couple of weeks off baseball stuff, but I still kept lifting and I kept like doing my agility stuff. I kept running. Um, thank God I had a really close friend of, of, of ours that I was able to work out in his garage. He has a, a garage, so I was able to do that and go there. Um, but yeah, like I, was, I, I did that stuff and I worked on things that I felt like I needed to work on in my body, like mobility, like little things like that, that I feel like at the end of the day, it's just gonna make you better on the field. So I kept, I kept hammering at those things. And, and then once things started freeing up a little bit, then I started my baseball stuff again, um, little by little. But yeah, it was definitely tough just because really I only had his, his, his garage and stuff to work at because everything else around you shut down, all the parks, everything. Is there, I mean, are you rusty? I mean, do you feel like you need, you know, just in terms of facing live pitching, you know, things like that, are, are there, are there, you know, some, some, some of those kind of things that you're going to need to, to, you know, almost like starting spring training over again, now that you're, you're kind of back in action, so to speak. I mean, yeah, um, I, I, I wouldn't say rusty because I feel like I kept myself in pretty good shape and stuff like that. But obviously, like the baseball aspect of it, uh, seeing a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, seeing curveball, seeing those things, we're going to have to get used to that again. So I feel like just facing live pitching, and that's the only way you're going you're gonna, to uh, get back adjusted and, and, and where you need to be. But for the most part, I, I feel like I'm, I'm in a really good place right now for, from where I was in spring training. So I like where I'm at. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned having your brother there and I, I remember reading you you're saying how like surreal it seemed that, you know, you're, you're there warming up with him in spring training, wearing the same uniform. I mean, I would imagine that's something that, you know, when you're kids, you dreamed about and, and talked about maybe someday this will happen, but it seemed so like, you know, like a dream and, and here it is happening. It, uh, have you gotten more used to to the fact that you guys are part of the, the same organization. I know, again, it got abbreviated, but uh, you're still members of, uh, of the greater Red Sox nation. And, and uh, how, how much fun were you able to have with it, you know, during the, during the time that you were in spring training and, and even since then? I mean, yeah, uh, we train together every day and stuff. So, and then going to the Red Sox and putting on the same uniform, playing catch together, working out together, doing all that stuff. It's things that you dream of about as a kid, but like, it, like it's pretty far fetched. So you're not really actually thinking that it's gonna happen. But it's crazy how things works. And um, yeah, we, we were playing a scrimmage one time. It's a funny story. We were playing a scrimmage one time. He came up to hit. It was like inner squad between. I was I was that short. I was screaming easy out. <laughs> it was just like it's like little little fun things like that that like it's just really enjoyable that you can do and stuff. 
and then he hits one off the wall. So like he kind of made me eat my word, but still. <laughs> but yeah, it's things like that that makes it so fun and 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 cool, especially for my parents that they've been traveling with us day in day in and day out um, with their dreams. So definitely, definitely a blessing. That's an older brother's job to make younger brother eat his words. I think right. <laughs> Uh, that, that that worked out according to script, I think. Um, what what are you most looking forward to during this this time now? Um, you know, and we'll, we'll go with the assumption that you're, you're going to end up sort of in Rhode Island for the duration. I, I think lots of not great things would have to happen in the big league roster for you to probably get that first shot now. Although crazier things in baseball have happened, but like what 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 are you looking forward to the most in terms of what you can get out of this this time you're going to have in in Rhode Island um just overall consistency I would say in every part of my game I'm going to be here practicing for the most part and uh we're going to be scrimmaging and stuff like that so it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one time to work on especially with like a small groups now now with all this going on a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with, with coaches and stuff to just work on things so defensively uh hitting um base running like I feel like everything everything can get better, so it's definitely one of those things where I'm I'm going I'm looking forward to it. Just so it's an improving improving aspect that you never know what can what can happen, and I want to be ready if if that, if that call comes. You know, um, I don't want to be caught up on my on my heel. I was just here not prepared and stuff. So it's definitely one of those things that I. I'm looking forward to it, and, I'm, and it's just fun being out here. Like that's that's the main part. I love and enjoy every single every single second of it. Yeah, I mean, you were kind of poised to move up to the upper levels for the first time, Double A. Obviously, this doesn't replace that, but do you, do you think that this because the the pool of players that's going to be there with you is a you know high level uh, of of player uh, who played at advanced levels? Uh, maybe some guys, you know, a bunch of guys who are older than you are. Do you think that will help sort of shorten the, the curve of the time that, that you miss where normally you'd be, you know, you would have been playing in, in the Eastern League this year? I mean, I, I believe so. I think everybody here with the, within those scrimmages, within like individual work and stuff, everybody's here is competing at the end of the day just because anything might happen and you got to be ready. So I feel like the competition level is going to be pretty good here just because everybody wants to get better because they want to be ready if that's, if that, if that call comes. So definitely there's a lot of older guys here. Um, pretty sure I might be one of the youngest, but it's still baseball at the end of the day. So it's still, it's, it's, in my, my opinion, it's great to be around all these older guys because they have more experience than I do. So I can just pick at them and, and, and learn things that I've, I haven't learned before um, and just compete on it. That's the name of the game. I mean, and that's something you get to do when you're in big league camp. I was curious, you know, just in terms of being able to be around a guy like Xander Bogarts, who, you know, is a quote-unquote veteran, but still uh, a younger guy, probably remembers what it was like when he was in your shoes in terms of one of the, the, the best prospects in the game. What, how much were you able to sort of learn from him and, and pick his brain when, when you were in Fort Myers together? Yes, Andrew's amazing. Um, he's really open. He's really, he's a really cool guy. He was one of the first guys to come up to me and introduce himself to me. So it's pretty cool. And that's that. That's for that's for all the guys here. They're all open, 
and they welcomed me with, with open arms and made the transition so much easier. But yeah, just catching ground balls with Xander, hitting the cage with Xander, hitting with all these guys, fielding with all these guys. Like you see how they go about their business and it inspires you and makes you want to work harder, shows you how to work at the end of the day because I've only been in this game for what, like I was drafted in 17, so maybe two and a half, three years. Um, so, and they've been doing it for so much longer. So they they know what they're doing. They've been through it all so far. So it's it's cool just to watch watch them. So you you you're you're able to grow. Last question for you, and you know you haven't really gotten to experience. You probably saw some of it in Fort Myers, uh, but Red Sox Nation, of course, is about as um, we'll use the word intense fan base just in terms of their love for, for all things Red Sox. Uh, you're right now kind of in the belly of the, of the beast in, in New England. Uh, it won't be the same uh, as if, you know, if you'd been even playing in Portland in front of crowds and things like that. But what sense have you been able to get for just how much Red Sox Nation loves their Red Sox from, from the big leagues all the, way, all the way down to the guys in A-ball? Uh, well, just from spring training alone, um, every single game was sold out at, at JetBlue. Then on the road, we had pretty good travel too. So they're de they definitely love the sport, and that's pretty good to play in front of a team that in, in front of fans that want want to win and love being there. And at the end of the day, I feel like they might be intense, but it all comes from a good place. They they they're they're just that competitive with the other fan bases. You know, they just want to get out there and they want to see their team win. All right, Jeter, well, I appreciate the time. Uh, while you're up there, make sure you get some, some good New England clam chowder. <laughs> I'm allergic, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they, have, they make fish chowder. Is it, you know, just seafood or, or, or fish in general? Fish. Oh, all right. Well, that's to me, to me, that's like the regional food. So we'll have to, baked beans, that's a New England thing. We can go with that. I'll try that, I'll try that. <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, Jeter, appreciate the time. Thank you. Have a good one.